0: So, um, it's fall right now, unless you're listening to this when it's not the fall. Now you've totally dated our Arbor Day <laughs> podcast release schedule.
1: So I went to a pumpkin patch. Yes. The, okay. Yeah, this weekend. And, um, it was run by like 15 year olds. <laughs> and so like. And then really, it was either, everyone who worked there was either, like, 15 or 16-year-old girls or, like, really surly six-year-old women. And... Okay. Like, so you go and there's, like, a little bakery and coffees thing and everything, it, which <clears throat>
0: wasn't open. So it was, like, 10.30 in the morning and, like, it still hadn't served anything. Oh, you well, you know, bakers get up pretty late in the day. <laughs> yeah, so... We like order some donuts and she's like, I put some in a bag and then hands me the bag. And I'm like,
1: okay, do I pay you? And she's like, you pay up front. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, can we get some coffee? She's like, there's only two people here. And we're like, okay. <laughs> okay. I, does she pour the coffee? I pointed to the other woman. She's like, <clears throat> she's just one lady. <laughs> I'm like, Thank you. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... I had the math down. Now <laughs> there were two women, right. and um, only, and they both had to do bakery Did things. Did you
0: carry the one? Because <clears throat> I feel like you must have messed up the arithmetic somewhere.
1: It was really, it was really strange. So my wife was, she was pissed. Mm-hmm. But that's not hard to do. Um, it, things like that. And so then we go to the pumpkin patch, and it's like. See, you know, it's, it's one of those big ones and they have all the pumpkins like laid out, you know. They truck them in and lay them out. Sure, they gotta <laughs> have,
0: uh, you got to have you got to have the glamour shots of the the pumpkins. They got to look their best.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, like, it's all laid out. Everything's all glistening and and, and nice. And, and we, we took a hayride to get up there. And, like, it takes you to the top of the hill. Or, like, halfway up the hill. And that's where the pumpkins are. And then... But the, wh- the place to pay for the pumpkins is at the top of the hill. And then... But then you have to go down to the bottom where all the stuff is and get your car and everything else. So, like, we get
0: our pumpkins. <laughs> and I'm like... Are you claiming some Sisyphean level of effort? (laughs) You really, you have to go like up to the
1: top of the hill. And I mean, it's not like a lot, but when you're dealing with like a two-year-old and pumpkins and you're juggling pumpkins and you really want to get going because you have to go to some stupid birthday party. uh, Oh, wait, I shouldn't say that. They might be, (laughs) I mean, an awesome birthday party. Um. I was just like, all right, well, I'm, I'm going to go where the hill takes me. And I went
0: downhill and we walked out with two free pumpkins because the, no 15-year-old stopped me. That's, that's criminal. And also a very strange retelling of that Greek myth. It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance. Adventure. Mystery. Anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale. Hello and welcome everyone
1: to another episode of Interrupted Tales, the show where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I'm Rob and this is my friend Alan. Hello. (laughs) Hello, Alan. How, how are we today?
0: Well, we're a little annoyed at our soundboard today.
1: <laughs> well, I'm going to cheer you up because this week we got a, a doozy of a of a, of a tale called uh, "Her Husband" by William Good, and it's from the magazine Breezy Stories. Not, not too windy. We've been there before. Breezy stories. Yeah. Is that the uh, apartment um, outside of? Uh,
0: University of Maryland campus. <laughs> the Breezy Stories.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, those girls live. It's left very hard there, to get story. your
0: uh, security deposit back from that place.
1: <laughs> so this one is from March, the March 1916 issue. So, uh, you know, in the background of all of this is an allegory for World War I or the Great War. So just think of that while you hear Her Husband by William Good. Some person who evidently believes himself in authority has gravely asserted that women differ only in the color of their hair. This is a
0: novelization of Orphan Black. (laughs) Or a Reddit thread. Um, He would have us believe that temperamentally, physically, and morally, they are all alike. I feel that really goes beyond blanket sexism into... Alien contemplating the difference between Coke Zero and Coke Zero sugar territory.
1: Do not get me started on the difference between Coke Zero and Coke Zero sugar, Alan. I I will back off in, in respect for this podcast, but what the hell? Uh, sorry. <clears throat> fired up. Offering no argu- argument myself, I will mention one at least who, to my knowledge, could not be made to believe this. Ed Stanton was absolutely convinced that there was one woman on earth so vastly different, so superior to all others, as to offer no comparison. And Ed, handsome, free-hearted, and winning fellow that he was, had known many of them in his
0: day. (laughs) They really make free-hearted sound a lot better than (laughs) free-genitaled. free pantsed
1: (sighs) To his brother drummers on the road... He could talk of nothing but his cozy little Harlem flat and the wife and three-year-old Kitty. If, he were, if you were to believe him, the happiest hours of his life were when he could jump a weekend down to New York and spend them in his home.
0: Well, great. That was a, it was a nice little story. Like they just kind of yeah. wrapped it up a little early, but...
1: Well, you know, it got to the point. He's happy with the wife and his kid. What, what else could there be? One Saturday, he dropped into Syracuse to see a customer. The man was out of town and would not be back till Monday. It was important that Ed should see him, so there was nothing for it but to be on hand early Monday morning. It was Ed's chance. He could easily get back to Syracuse on a Sunday night train, so he left his effects in the hotel and started hot foot for the depot. He just caught the New York flyer and dropped into a seat beside Jim Hovey, a fellow commercial traveler. Now, Ed didn't care much for Jim, for he didn't believe him on the level. In his travels, he had heard stories of his escapades with
0: hotel waitresses, and he did
1: not approve of that.
0: You know what they say about hotel waitresses? Nothing but (laughs) Hojo's. Yeah, you like that one, huh? (laughs) Not many people making Howard Johnson jokes lately. Yeah, and you're like, wow, bring it back.
1: Uh, in fact, Jim really stood in bad as at a number of upcountry hotels on this account. Hovey had a wife and four children down in New York City. Ed thought it a good time to remonstrate him, with him, but Hovey resented it. Oh, say, Ed Stanton, I've seen a few of your footprints in the mud. Don't preach to me. Papa. But, I mean, Danny Ayello. <laughs> Not since I married, Jim. Poof! Do you suppose my wife is sitting at home like a sick kitten while I'm
0: away? You (laughs) bet you're not. (laughs) Okay. Okay. What's a good metaphor here? Like a diuretic gerbil. Like a (laughs) colicky puppy. Sick kitten. Yeah. Sick kitten.
1: A phlegmy lemur. Uh, She's having a good time as well as I. I
0: went to school with a lemur. (laughs) Phlegmy lemur. Yeah. She's a foreign exchange student.
1: What do you know about what your own wife is doing?
0: I do know what she is doing while I'm away. She watches NCIS on Netflix and then plays Candy Crush, then it's right to bed. <laughs> and Ed's big fist showed up under Hovey's nose. Don't you speak of her again in
1: that connection or I'll smash your face.
0: Well, how does she know what you're doing? Tight surveillance.
1: <laughs> Hovey got up and changed his seat then. For Ed was plainly in a dangerous mood. As Jim lived in Brooklyn, he stuck by the train to the Grand Central, but Ed dropped off at 125th Street. Twenty minutes later, he was kissing his wife, Esther, dancing the kitty on his shoulders, and having a great time in his own
0: home. Yep. Kitty to be named later. Well, <laughs> forget about that. Ed, dear,
1: said the little wife, I do so wish you'd give up traveling and go into business. Now there's old man Hooper on the corner who wants to sell his store.
0: It's prime real estate right over on Sesame Street. (laughs) The
1: Hooper? That fits.
0: The retail trade is on the bum, darling. No, it's just the retail trade's between residences right now, sort of crashing with its retail friends. A salary is a regular thing and
1: better for a while. When that little bank account of ours gets big enough, we three are going up into some pretty little country town to spend the rest of our days. It's a life, all right. Business is awful. Okay, Trotsky. (laughs) The subject was dropped, for Ed always refused to talk business at home. So he rolled over on the floor with the kitty, to be named later, allowing him to think that he had the best of the tassel. Which caused the little fellow great delight.
0: <laughs> uh, we, we have fun, don't we, Joe? Uh, j- you, j- me.
1: After a certain point, it's too embarrassing to ask. Don't you? Don't you think you is licked enough? Licked enough now, Papa? He <laughs> cried, <laughs> he cried <clears> gleefully, <throat> straddling Ed's broad chest. Why don't you? cry for me to stop and let you up oh what a cute little bully (laughs) ed pretended to beg for mercy and so the frolic went on until the kitty's eyes began to grow heavy and mama took him away to bed i came down on the train with that skunk jim hovey he remarked to the wife i've lost all respect for him esther knew the story of the hovey's oh i'm sorry for mrs hovey she sighed it must be awful to live with a man like that
0: well he's a cheater but on the other hand he's not around very much so there's that well many a woman does dearest i don't she looked straight
1: at him as she spoke ed shifted a little (laughs) (laughs) i'm a man with all of a man's mean ways esther he said candidly i was no better than any other Before I met you, no one has stepped in between us since, though. But I have made some detours. (laughs) There's a lot of hotels out there. She read truth in his handsome face and folded her arms around his neck.
0: Turn down service.
1: (laughs) If you were to forsake me, Ed, I'd kill myself.
0: Bosh, that would be foolish. I wouldn't be worth it besides there's the kitty um, yeah our kid um very the the boy Bo- boy
1: right right boy yeah yeah the kitty yes the boy over there his face turned and her face nah, her face burned and her eyes softened that terminated the discussion Ed had to get to the 4.30 the next afternoon, and he lingered until he had to run for the train. He wasn't sure when he would be home again, but he hoped soon.
0: He would write, Sure. Uh, later, smiley face, face with stuck-out tongue and winking eye. It was, but it was some chance like this that would bring him home.
1: For a while after Ed was gone, the little wife had a bit of a cry. It was not from unhappiness by any means— only a little feeling of loneliness and longing. Seeking a natural outlet.
0: Sure, that loneliness and, you know, weakness. Like, she didn't play enough sports early on, you know. <laughs> she loved Ted Stanton,
1: and she tried to trust him with all her heart and soul. She felt that he was so big and noble and open-hearted as to be incapable of wrong. Well... He had never concealed anything from her. <laughs> yeah. In all things, they had been as one. Every penny of his money was banked every month in her name, and the account was nearing the necessary figures to purchase that little home in the country they had so long planned for. But she was a woman, and lives there, a woman who is not a victim of doubt. He was away from her so much in the great world with its temptations that, possibly, she tried to smother the Serpent of
0: Suspicion. <laughs> um, hey guys, welcome to part 54 of my Dark Souls walkthrough, and today I'm going to show you how to smother the Serpent of Suspicion. <laughs> now first, you need to have opened up Ann Orlando <laughs> I'm tickled. <laughs> she went to
1: bed a little later, and it was not until the next morning as she was dusting the living room that she made a discovery. Why? Ed left his raincoat she said, yanking it from the depths of a chair. That's too bad. It looks like a rainy spell, and he will need it. Knowing there was no way to send it to him, she started with orderly instinct to hang it in the closet. She had closed the door upon it, when a characteristic thought impelled her to go back.
0: What's gonna be in the coat? I mean, it's 1916. I I feel like it can't be underwear, because that's too raunchy. Plus... It wouldn't fit in a coat, right? I mean, those are some pretty big (laughs) pants.
1: I'm I'm thinking gloves Yeah. or... Nope, but that also goes, they go way up back then. (laughs) They go way up. (laughs) They go all the way up. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if he left anything valuable in his pockets, she mused, and felt a little tug of fear in her breast. Quickly, her nimble fingers sought the depths of each pocket. A pair of gloves, a couple of buttons, some matches, and she drew forth a folded sheet of notepaper. The bell rang. She had to hustle to the door. It was only the butcher's boy. Hey, uh, what's wrong, Mrs. S? You look like you just got cheated on. (laughs) With the crumpled note in her hand, she went back. Little Homer... Hey, little Homer was playing with his toys on the big rug.
0: Homer, yes, of course, that's what we named you. Homer, yes. Homer, hey, hey, Hojo, Homer. Homer yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Now I remember the story.
1: <laughs> she she passed him and went into the kitchen. There, she smoothed out the note in read, with dilated eyes and stifling heart. Well, honey. Here I am in the sweet little apartment you have provided for your little caged bird. It's a dream, and I know I shall be happy here, waiting for your coming. (coughs) (coughs) Wrong pipe. Day and night I dream of you and long for you. Of course, dear, I know how life is.
0: It's a bitch, and then you die. I mean, I long for you. It's pretty hard for you to Have
1: her on your hands. But you will find a way to dump her when the right time comes.
0: Which you keep telling me is going to come, right? It is going to come, (laughs) right?
1: It always does.
0: Then we will be together always. I shall
1: expect you on Tuesday, sure. You can run down in the afternoon and go back the next morning. Darling, that will be a happy day when we are together for all time. P.S. Don't forget the candy and the cigarettes.
0: (laughs) And the bribe for the guard and um we need like four or five sheets for the cell bars.
1: <laughs> I don't forget the change in number. Fourteen and don't forget to don't forget to change in number. fourteen eighty two 129th Street with a hug and a kiss, your own Carlotta. Twice the staring eyelids of the little wife followed these lines from start to finish. The floor reeled and she sank into a heavy chair, a chair, dizzy and confused.
0: A little music factoid. Dizzy and Confused was actually the song Jake's Holmes plagiarized before Led Zeppelin plagiarized him. <laughs> it, was a, it was a polka, I believe.
1: Life had become a sudden void. The world grown desolate and dark. She clutched her throat to get breath. And so for a time she sat there more dead than alive. So the things she had feared had come to pass. In one fell swoop, the happiness of her life had gone out in darkness. It would never come back.
0: All was ended. She tried to think what to do. I mean, she had absolutely no reason to live, especially not uh, who Harvey, who, Homer, Homer. That's how long she battled with reason. Sitting
1: limply there in the chair. She never knew. She was brought out of her stupor by a sudden crash, a little scream, and she sprang up and rushed into the parlor. Little Homer had
0: pulled a pretty vase from the table, and it lay in fragments. Oh, no, Homer, the orphanage is not going to put up with that kind of destruction of property. <laughs> get, get it straight. You can't get away with it over there.
1: He was whimpering and expecting a scolding. The revulsion came. And she impulsively caught him up in her arms, wildly kissing and fondling him. Poor little boy, she wept incontinently. You didn't mean to do it, darling. Now it's all right. Mama won't scold. I've only you now, darling. Only you. The little fellow was puzzled. Don't cry, Mama.
0: He patted her <laughs> wet cheek.
1: <laughs> me didn't mean to break it. Me saw we. Oh,
0: and me. Get back, Grandma. So, so good soon. (laughs) She overwhelmed
1: him with kisses and then found his toys and went to her room to think. To think, that was it. What she should do. For an hour, she fought it out there alone. Then calmness came to her at last. Esther Stanton came of a strain that in years past had furnished heroes in the service of the nation. Her father had fought and died at Gettysburg.
0: Um... Heroes now, so you would say if I gave you a map of Gettysburg, would you say they kind of died up that way or down <laughs> that way? If you had a favorite color, would it be blue or <laughs> gray? Right, it, I, that might impact the hero just a, <laughs> that that word, just a little tiny tinge. <laughs> Two brothers had died in the Navy.
1: She knew of only one living relative, an uncle somewhere in the upper part of the state. She would never think of going to him.
0: Upstate? No, thank you.
1: <laughs> she was alone. Perhaps he was just as well. But this woman who had come between them, oh, she clenched her hands and thought, of course, even if Ed was to discard the woman, she would never take him back. She could never trust him again. I'll give him up. She said resolutely, it is better, but I want to see her. I want to impress upon her what a thing she has done.
0: Oh, boy, that's that's got to go well. That's
1: People of closure. She smoothed and folded the fatal letter. If she hadn't found it, she might never have known. She knew that hundreds of men were practicing this deception every day, but mercifully, their wives never knew it. Well...
0: Yeah, ignorance is bliss, and also probably HPV. (laughs) Her resolve was made.
1: Mrs. Belden, her next-door neighbor, would care for Homer for an hour or so. Dressed neatly and looking charming in spite of her pallor, she was soon rapidly making her way to the number in 129th Street.
0: Okay, now that is a hard choice. What you should wear to meet your husband's (laughs) mistress Mm-hmm. I yeah. I, I would dress down, um, casual but coordinated. You definitely you you're, you're going to want to be comfortable. I'd go tank top, so you really have
1: that ability to move your arms and and fight as much as possible.
0: Sure, <laughs>
1: sure. <clears throat> it was not far. She wondered how he had dared to bring her so near to his own home. At last, she found the number. In a narrow hallway, she examined the letter boxes there was a name which convinced her. Carlotta St. Ange, Suite 42. In a few moments, the elevator boy landed her on the third floor, and she stood before the
0: door of 42. Hey, going to see Carlotta, eh? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to
1: take some candid photos, eh? Huh? Huh? Yeah. A little wink-wink. Get a lot of foot
0: traffic up on that level.
1: <laughs> she was a little faint but she called up her nerve and pressed the bell. The barking of dogs sounded within. Then a diminutive colored maid stood before her. A couple of spaniels frisked at her feet. Is is Miss St. Ange in? Are you expected? "It, It doesn't matter, said Esther, and she brushed past the maid and into the lavishly furnished, though unkempt, rooms beyond. There was an odor of stale cigarette smoke and a tall, dark-haired woman in a wonderful blue kimono rose gracefully as a panther from a lounge.
0: That is exactly how I imagined beating David Carradine would have been like.
1: <laughs> blue kimono, graceful as a panther. Yep, yep, it all, it all adds up. Still
0: cigarette smoke, you got it. <laughs> she stared at Esther,
1: half in amaz- amazement and half in anger. How is this? She exclaimed haughtily. Didn't I tell you to admit no one, Sophie? I took the liberty, said Esther calmly. Do not blame the maid. It is necessary for me to see you. The woman regarded Esther critically and waved the maid from the room. Then she sat, sank back on the lounge and indicated a chair. Well, I admire your nerve. However, be seated and state your business.
0: If it's anything to sell, well, I'll buy two. I don't do well with pressure. (laughs) Esther quickly extended the letter. I found
1: this in my husband's pocket. It explains itself. The woman gave a start, took the letter, glanced at it, flushed hotly, and regarded Esther through half-closed lids. Right, oh, lady, I wrote that letter to your husband. So you are the wife, eh? He and I are good friends.
0: Uh, BFFs, really. Heavy emphasis on the Fs.
1: (laughs) So it would appear,
0: said Esther calmly, though raging
1: inside. She had self-possession enough to give the woman before her careful mental appraisement. How could Ed Stanton love a woman like that?
0: I'm sorry, with a drawl. But you see... A
1: man's heart will go where love sends it.
0: And his penis naturally follows. It's just biology, dear. She selected a cigarette and extended the box. Will you smoke? You look all
1: nerved up, dear. Her words were soft, solicitous, and her eyes held a slumbering light of sympathy, born of knowledge of conquest. Esther returned her gaze without wavering. I have not the habit she said coldly oh well i'm sorry replacing the box
0: uh, surprising a woman like doesn't like to put her lips around something fun loses her man i'm sorry no what no i didn't say anything
1: <laughs> nicotine is a wonderful bracer of course you know i am curious to know why you've come i hope not to shoot me it
0: is hideous to shoot a reptile Said Esther firmly. Oh no, Esther! That sounded so much better in your head when you were rehearsing. <laughs> I should have gone with snake.
1: Damn it, snake!
0: Terrible the cannonade of an amphibian. <laughs> Shit! Shit! <laughs> can I? Can I? Is it? Can I? Is the door? Okay, hold can, on. Just oh, Sophie. 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 Where's the door?
1: I came here. To gratify my curiosity, I wanted to look into the eyes of one of my sex who could have done the heart to do what you were doing. Carlotta's eyes opened very wide and she blew a ring of smoke. Dear me, am I alone condemned? Is he not also doing it?
0: Have you considered not disliking the players so much as disliking the game that they play? The game of? Love? Knowing that he is pledged to protect and love
1: another woman, you can hardly defend your position. He swears he loves me. He swears he does not love his wife. Love will go where the heart sends it. And the penis. Remember when we talked about the penis, dear? <laughs> Am I wrong in accepting it? You are wrong, because in doing that, you are destroying the sacred ties of a Home! Home! Her laughter was like a bell. What is that? A song was written about it, I believe.
0: Yes, yeah, something about a range, or. I don't. I'm not much into music.
1: All the home I ever knew was a small edition of the Inferno. Happy home, eh? Husband and wife scrapping and nagging eternally, brother and sister fighting over inheritances, mothers dying brokenhearted.
0: Wow, the holidays must be rough (laughs) for this lady.
1: Oh, say, all the hell there is on this earth is to be found in the place called home. Don't talk to me. Take your own case as an example. Esther felt suffocated. She recognized that the woman was more virile, virile, more powerful than she in every way. A great, languid, sensual, philosophical female animal with a mind fed upon false theories
0: like a sexy Maxim Gorky or David Carradine, yeah. a social anarchist. Carlotta
1: inhaled the cigarette smoke. You see, she pursued the line between us is not very So very well defined after all, you're a dear, sweet little woman, but you don't know men. It's a shame to fool you, but don't blame your husband altogether. You have fooled yourself.
0: Yeah, there's lots of blame to go around, honey. <laughs> you know, Homer is not without his place in all of this. Are you kidding me? What does he
1: know about women? <laughs> you ought to have made a better study of human nature. If you had, you would never have married. Esther's eyes flashed. Such heresy as yours, if commonly accepted, would destroy the world. Without morality, there would be no life. Oh that word morality is a flexible one said carlotta smilingly there is but one standard to guide the human race that is the instinct of love where there is real love there is morality no laws either of church or state no sense falsely conceived of honor or duty can change it love mocks at law and law cannot control the dictates of love
0: oh no oh is that schopenhauer Uh, Did we walk into a French salon without me noticing? Is is that where you fucked my husband? In a French salon?
1: (laughs) You you love my husband, asked Esther coldly. I do. And he loves me. The room whirled about Esther. When she came back, her head was pillowed on a soft breast and salts were at her nose. Perfumed lips gently touched her brow. There, little one, you are all right now. Say, but you are a sweet little creature. Any man ought to love you.
0: Oh, this store's getting pretty breezy.
1: Ah uh, I like it. <clears throat> Esther put the other woman's arms from her. She whirled and gripped the edge of the table, panting with fury. Don't dare touch me. I hate you. Carlotta languidly dropped back on the lounge. Half shot dreamy eyes contemplated the wife silently. You are a destroyer of homes, of human lives. You came into my life and steal from me the only treasure I have, my husband's love.
0: Oh my. Okay, once again, you do have a kid. <laughs> His name is Homer. <laughs> and You're I know. Harvey? Oh, Homer. Homer. That's right. Homer. And I know you think he's a flesh anchor, but <laughs> he, he is the fruit of your loom. <laughs> Womb. What
1: line? you make a widow of me and an orphan of my child there's no goodness in you with your blandishments you have stolen my husband you are a thief i loathe and despise you esther put all her soul into her denunciation the two women gazed straight at each other carlotta had bitten her cigarette in two <laughs> there was a dull somber light in her half-shut eyes Her wonderful shoulders moved at last, in the faintest short sort of shrug. Capital, my little tragedine, I never saw it done better. However, you come to see me with a purpose. You come to ask something of me. What is it? I will accept nothing from you. Not even your husband?
0: No. No. She's not great at bargaining.
1: (laughs) Well scornfully you can have him if you can get him we will let him choose esther was breathing hard the choice is already made she said i have no will to interfere with his desires as betrayed in the letter i have i renounce all claim to him he is yours
0: here's his collar and tags and i'll email you his shot records not
1: yet said carlotta rising suddenly you misunderstand me I want you to know that my sympathies are with you, and that I am not as bad as you think I am. I am going to be fair. Unless he is willing to choose me in your presence, I renounce him forever.
0: Ooh, and the final rose goes to... (laughs) If he
1: has told me he loves you, and he has told me he loves me, he has lied to one of us.
0: Uh, yes, uh, Your Honor, I think we've already established he lied to his wife, If opposing counsel will (laughs) stipulate that point, (laughs) we can move right past that. Yes. The
1: fairest way to settle this matter is to go before him. It is not necessary. Pardon me. It is necessary and possible.
0: The best kind of necessary. (laughs) Carlotta pointed to an
1: ormulu clock in four minutes. If he keeps his word, and he has never failed me yet, he will be here. Esther clutched at her heart. Ed coming here? So he had not gone to Syracuse. After all, he had lied to her. He was in New York and would be presently in this
0: house. Oh, my God. (laughs) He probably wasn't even in the Herkimer, Rome Valley.
1: (laughs) She started to leave. Her whole soul rose in rebellion against the plan of facing him before this woman. She felt a horror and a repugnance beyond expression. But Carlotta
0: stopped before her. She was big and powerful. And languid and sensual and panther-like. And uh, Whose side are we on again?
1: (laughs) I am not sure, but 1916 was a hot year. It was breezy as fuck in that place. It is too late to get away, dear she said tensely. Listen. The click of the outside door was heard, the low voice of the maid, heavy footsteps, and a man's voice. An insane frenzy seized Esther. Never would she face Ed in that place. She wrenched herself free and darted for a side door. She was too quick for Carlotta and sped through it. There was a narrow passage, and she followed it, luckily to a side entrance. Dashing down a flight of stairs, she reached the street. How she got home, she never remembered.
0: Now that is how you do a pub crawl.
1: Finally, faint and quivering, she burst into her own apartment and bolted the door. She paced the floor wildly, wringing her hands. Her married life, her dreams, her hopes and joys had all come to this. Ed, her husband, the man she had so blindly worshipped, was false. It was terrible. For a long time, she tried to fight it out there alone by herself and to conquer the impulse to self-destruction how desolate the world was how barren was life (coughs) still still got your (laughs) kid young hova in the midst of her hysteria there came a gentle tap at the door mrs stanton it was the voice of her good neighbor mrs belden with a great effort she composed herself and staggered to the door As she opened it, little Homer came leaping into her arms. "'I want my mama, my own mama!' "'But you're an orphan now, honey!' (laughs) She caught him up and kissed him frantically, lifting her tear-wet face finally to articulate, "'So kind of you, Mrs. Belden. I cannot thank you enough. "'That little boy has done nothing but call for you, Mrs. Stanton. "'Why, my dear, are you ill? Are you in trouble?' The kindly neighbor placed a motherly arm around her waist. Esther controlled herself long enough to say, "'Yes, but I cannot explain it now. You are so kind, Mrs. Belden. Thank you so much.' "'All right, my dear. Call me if you need me.' Esther closed the door and, with Homer in her arms, staggered back into the living room. She sank into a chair. The little fellow was cooing with happiness. "'Homer loves you, mamma. <laughs> Who's my dear mama. I waited so long.
0: Kind of laying it landed on pretty <laughs> thick there. Um, no, I'm sorry. Uh, our client, General Mills, is looking for something just a little more natural for this cereal <laughs> commercial. <laughs> the cereal's already called Clingios, and we don't want too much
1: clinginess. It's, it's just not on message. Got to balance it with the milk. <laughs> Darling one. We have only each other now, whispered the stricken woman. Then, as a little fellow slid out of her lap and played at her feet, she tried to think clearly what it was best to do.
0: Let's see, there's suicide and murder, mm-hmm. and then there's murder suicide, mm-hmm. and then there's divorce. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I really like the sound of that murder suicide thing. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Of course, it was all over
1: between her and Ed. The old life was buried. She must look to the future. She must live for little Homer. How could he have done it? What spell had that woman cast about him? She had believed him honest, noble, and true. Bitterness raged in her heart, a terrible sense of wrong. Please, Mama, dear, I'm awful hungry. Why is it not hungry? I'm awful hungry. Peas, can I have a palm? <laughs> <laughs> Bless your little heart, sobbed the afflicted woman. Mamma's cruel to forget you. Yes, you shall have a nice big plum. We'll go right now and she caught sight of something in the little fellow's chubby fist. It was a white envelope tightly rolled. What what have you there, Homer? Give it to me. It's a letter for you, Mama. The postman came while you were was away. And also, you pre-proved for chase card, mamma. <laughs> Mechanically, she took the letter from the tight little fist and unrolled and smoothed it out. As she glanced at the superscription, she gave a start. It was Ed's handwriting and addressed to her. She saw also that the postmark was Syracuse, and it was dated the previous night.
0: Oh, I remember now. He's a time traveler, and there's a mailbox at the lake house. (laughs) Um, He cheats... On Sandra uh-huh. Bullock with a fast bus. Uh huh. <laughs> well, that's, okay, it's maybe not quite right. Wait, at what point in the story does hope float? <laughs> all the time.
1: <laughs> Puzzled, she tremblingly tore the envelope open. Numb with wonder, she read My dear little wife, wifey, this is to let you know that I got through all right. I'm writing to say also that I met Hovey on 42nd Street while I was running for the train. It seems that Saturday night, when we came down on the same train from Syracuse, we accidentally exchanged raincoats. Uh. You will find his coat in the parlor in the chair where I left it. If he calls for it, please let him have it. Also, I may be home Tuesday night, being called back to the city. She read no more. The room whirled about her for a moment as a thrilling realization of her great mistake burst upon her. The coat was not Ed's, but Hovey's. She had not announced her name when she had called on Carlotta, and had, of course, naturally been taken for the other wife. Ed was in Syracuse after all,
0: and it was Hovey from whom she had fled. Oh, okay, that makes that makes more sense than the bus thing that I was saying before. <laughs> the truth, coming with a rush,
1: brought vivid reaction. With a wild scream of joy, she caught Homer up in her arms and fled to the kitchen. The afternoon sun was flooding through the western window, seeming to replace latent gloom with the brilliant light of restored happiness. A flock of English sparrows chirped and fluttered on the window
0: ledge. A hurdy-gurdy in the street, below, burst into melody. (laughs) And she was fantastically happy again, despite her total lack of a support structure or friends, or hobbies, or anything besides her husband and little hobo.
1: (laughs) It was all in keeping. The sudden transition slightly weakened her, but she pulled little Homer's chair to the table, ensconced him in it, and covered him with kisses. Then she flew for the pans and cooking dishes, the words of a love song trilling on her lips.
0: Doing the dishes, not getting cheated on.
1: "'Mama, is who going to give Homer something to eat?' (laughs) (laughs)
0: "'Am I, darling?' she cried from a fullness of heart. "'Oh, I'm so sorry. Mommy forgot you existed again.' (laughs) "'You
1: shall have everything you want, and Mama is going to cook some lovely things. "'For listen, pet, Papa is coming home tomorrow night. "'Your Papa and my husband—' The best, truest man on earth. My husband. The end.
0: Oof. <laughs> well.
1: that ah, was like... Uh... Like strangers on a train, only nobody died, and uh, it was all kind of by accident.
0: <laughs> yeah, if the um, coats had murdered each other, I I think there would have been a little bit more of a plot. So
1: she, so the the coats looked exactly the same.
0: She doesn't have any idea what her husband's coat looks like.
1: Right, right, right. She. Found the note in there. Immediately went to the woman's house. Didn't try calling her husband in Syracuse.
0: Like, well, I, they don't. This is before uh, the Utica-Rome region had um, <laughs> had invented the telephone.
1: But it was oddly after the Carousel Mall was built. Yes. Um. So she this and everything's just happy at the end.
0: She was going to kill herself, Alan. She was going to kill herself. Well, she. Definitely did not account for having a child in that scenario. <laughs> out of you know, th- out of this whole story, I, I did feel sorry for little uh, Hoagie uh, the most. So such a sad story. Such a so I I really wish Hootie the best. Won't won't be an easy life at all. What do you think the moral of the story is? The moral of the story is well. Okay, so start off, of course, saying that women were all the
1: same. And then uh, but except our hero that doesn't believe it because Mm -hmm. his wife is so amazing and it turns out his wife is a a, a crazy woman (laughs) who is insanely jealous. Um, So I think the moral of the story is
0: all women are crazy women who are insanely jealous. I'm and, gonna uh, stop you before <laughs> the FCC pulls their license. I didn't know they had jurisdiction over the podcast industry, but uh, boy, you know, looks looks like that's the way the agit pie is going. I, I think we can all distill it down to dames. Am I right? Nope, you're not right. Um, I would say <laughs> the moral of the story is probably write your name tag in the coat in permanent ink and everything's going to work out fine if it if it works for underwear works for coats too Uh, you know what i think
1: that's a good saying for life and i think that's a good uh, message to leave on tune in next week uh or next time when we have a very exciting story for you
0: on the next interrupted if somebody would call me a sensual panther then i would think that was a pretty cool thing to (laughs) say